Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad you're, you're here today. It's good to see everybody together in God's house as, as we have gathered to worship the Lord uh, with one another. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much part of our family as we worship God together. I'd like to remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to uh, fill that out so we could have a, a record of your attendance with us this morning. If you would do that, we would certainly appreciate that. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, please be sure to put your email address on there. It's a great way to keep up with the activities here at Community Baptist Church. And uh, we'll be sure to put you on our email newsletter list uh, if you give us your email address there. Several announcements I'd like to call to your attention this morning. First of all, we are uh, in the beginning stages of our upward basketball and cheerleading uh, program for this year. Uh, we have been through one week of uh, registration for that, and we will continue that for this next week as well on Tuesday and Thursday, and then again next Saturday. Uh, so we could use some volunteers to help with that, either on Tuesday, Thursday, or Saturday. If you could uh, uh, be a part of that, we would certainly appreciate it. We're also looking for scholarships because a lot of people can't afford um, the cost that, uh, that's required for, for these, uh, to participate in this program. And so we, uh, we try to offer scholarships for those who can't afford. So if you would like to contribute towards uh, some scholarships uh, for our um, program, then we would certainly be glad to take your money. <laughs> Uh, also coming up, uh, we will be having our Sureway fundraiser on September the 12th and the 13th, and uh, we are we need some volunteers for that. And I think there's a sign-up sheet on the table. You can volunteer to help with that on the 12th and the 13th. And uh, probably the most important thing that you can do between now and then is to take some tickets and sell them. Uh, we'll be offering barbecue chicken and uh, pork chop sandwiches and, uh, and ribs. And you can take some tickets and sell those, pre-sell those tickets, because that's really where we make most of our money. And all this money goes towards our mission projects here at Community Baptist Church. And so if you would like to see, get some tickets, please see Mike uh, Sugg or, or uh, one of the other members of uh, the missions team. And we'll be glad to get you some tickets. I know that some of you are already hard at work selling those tickets, and we appreciate that. Also, there will be a new Sunday school class uh, starting next week. Is that right, Chris? Actually started today. Oh, okay, good. Right. Ahead of me there. These, this is for uh, our young adults. Going to be meeting up in the corner room up there, those who are out of high school. And uh, Chris has started that class, and uh, we're glad for that. So if you feel, fit into that age group, or if you know somebody who fits in that age group, uh, be sure to uh, invite them to come be a part of that class. Brittany, I think you have something to say to us about uh, Women's Mission Group. I just wanted to extend an invitation to any of the women in the church that want to come with us tomorrow night. We're going to go to Acropolis. Um, we're going to meet here at 5.30, and we'll go to Acropolis probably around 6. Um, it's just for food and fellowship. Um, we have a little bit of money left in our account, too, so if you want to help us find ways to spend that at the meeting tomorrow night, uh, you know, suggestions we will take. Um, this will be our only meeting until we do our Christmas fundraiser. 
So if you're going to be coming, if you'll let me know, and I'll let Acropolis know about how many we have. But just wanted to let everybody know, if you've never come with us, I think it's a pretty fun time. So you might want to try and join us. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Brittany. Uh, I'm going to Acropolis, huh? Can I be a woman for tonight, for the night? <laughs> I got to shave my beard. Oh, I don't know. I, that's, that's a close one. It might be worth it. I'm not sure. Uh, just one other announcement. Uh, many, many of you know that uh, Rick Cox's father, Richard Cox, passed away this week. The funeral will be um, this afternoon at 2 o'clock at Benton Glunt uh, Funeral Home. And, um, and, and that means something for us as a church, not only to remind you that, that that's taking place, and some of you may want to attend that, but we also could use your help uh, for two reasons. We need to remove all of these chairs for our um, uh, upward basketball program that we'll be doing on Tuesday, but also we need some help setting up some tables and chairs because this afternoon we'll be hosting a bereavement lunch for uh, the Cox family. So if you could stay afterwards for a few moments and help remove the chairs and, uh, and set up some tables and chairs, we would certainly appreciate that this afternoon. Let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. <laughs>
and I'm giving our Dawnings moment today. Um, I find it really ironic that I was asked to give the Dawnings moment on the day we're talking about waiting and being patient. Um, I'm the most impatient, energized, never sit still, never sit quiet kid. And I love... (laughs) But I love being involved in Dawnings. Um, It is a lot of learning how to sit still, And yes, I am still learning. Um, Relaxing, enjoying the silence, and um, focusing only on one thing. Um, We are all so busy. And for two hours on every Sunday, I don't think about school. I don't think about what to do. I don't think about what I'm supposed to be doing at that moment. And I don't think about anything going on. We all focus in there just completely on God and changing the way we do things. Um, there's a saying, and it's less talking, more listening, less planning, more doing, less soda, more tea, less junk food, more salad, less complaining, more encouraging, less worrying, more hope, less doubting, more believing, less frowning, more smiling, less hate, more love, less ungratefulness, more gratitude, less you, more God. Dawnings is a process for us to vision, form, and engage our church. And we focus completely on God's work for us. Um, a quote, a scripture map in Mark says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in life, in love, and in faith. Um, most teenagers think that they can't do anything because they don't matter because they're so young. But uh, the group in Donnings really does listen to what the younger ones in there have to say. And it's just a really encouraging and learning experience for me. Will you join me in our responsive reading? Look upon us gently, Lord, for waiting is not our strength. So many other things are. Seems like moving ahead. 
what's wrong, planning what's next, diagnosing the problem, cramming more into the day than one person can possibly do. But waiting. When we are waiting for the light to shine, when we are waiting for the word, when we are waiting for the wounded to heal, nothing in the world is harder. So in your mercy, Lord, wait with us. Be very present, present. heal our frenzy, calm our fears, comfort those who at this very minute are waiting anxious breath, waiting for the Transform our in the meantime into your time. While we wait with each other, sit with each other, pray with each other into hope, surrounded by your presence even in the darkness, especially in the darkness. Amen. Let's stand, sing hymn number 285, please.
today's scripture is Matthew 16:13 through 20. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and, whenever you, and whatever you lose on earth will be lost in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone what he, that he was the Messiah. Joe. If Joe was here, I'll tell you what, he would be surrounded by little beauties. How's everybody doing? All right. I just want to, we'll introduce each other upstairs, but we have some new friends today. We have Josie, who just signed up for Upward. Thank you, Josie, for coming in today. And this is her friend, Sabrina, from Owensboro. And I'll introduce, I, Gracie goes to South Elementary. Yes, yes. You live in Owensboro? Oh. I live in They're sisters. They live in Owensboro, too. I'll tell you. Okay. Well, I've already talked to Sabrina and Josie about the word patience. Ooh, waiting, waiting, waiting. Isn't it? It's so easy to just sit back and wait, isn't it? No. What about uh, about 11 o'clock? Ooh, it is 11 o'clock. About 11.30, our stomachs will start growling. And we're going to be wait. We're going to wait so patiently to go home and eat dinner today, aren't we? No, we're not going to wait patiently. That's why we have a snack up and worship, right? All right. What about um, when you are waiting for Christmas morning? Oh, you just sat back and you sleep good that night and you just wait patiently, right? No, it's never. I do. Too. Yeah, I do too. I wake up in the middle of the night too. It's it's real hard to be patient. But let's think about being patient waiting for God. You see, I brought my binoculars right here. I'm not a very patient person. That's where Kelsey gets it because we want stuff done right now. If I got my binoculars out and if I looked around here, I'm like, I am looking for God. I want to see God now. Do you think I'd be able to see him through my binoculars? No. He's up in the sky? You think he's coming down to get us sometime? Sometime he is, you know, but we don't know. But we have to be patient until he comes down for us, right? Um, and it's very hard to be patient sometimes. Remember when your moms and dads or your grandmas and grandpas crossed you, uh, taught you how to cross the street? There were three, three things they told you when they took you to the edge of the street. Do you guys remember what those were? When they walked you up to the edge of the street and before they let you cross the road by, their, by yourselves, what did they say to you? Stop. 
look both ways and listen, right? Yes, they did. They told you that. Evan, how come you didn't teach your daughter that? No, I'm just kidding. All right. So this is the sheet we're going to be doing upstairs. It says, stop, look, and listen for Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about, how to be patient and listen for Jesus today. Okay? Now, some of you weren't here last week, but instead of going back to our regular room, we're starting something new today. We're going to walk up the stairs very quietly, and we're going to go to worship in the corner room up there. But before we do that, let's go ahead and have a prayer down here. You guys ready to pray? Okay. Dear Lord, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to be with us. Thank you also that you will have have him return someday. Help me get ready for that wonderful day. Show me how to be patient and wait for the things that really matter. We say this in your name. Amen. All right, let's go upstairs.
sure everybody has had problems all week. This has been especially trying for the Dunham crew. Really appreciate everybody's prayers. They do work. Will you pray with me? We celebrate life today. Life is so fragile. Too often we take for granted everything you have given us. This is the time we can honestly reflect and recognize your love. Thank you, dear Lord, for our families. You have blessed us all in many ways. Please accept these tithes and offerings as an appreciation of your grace and love. Bless Tim as he delivers his sermon. May we take your word to heart. Thank you for giving us your son who died for our sins so we can join you in eternal life. Amen.
Have you ever noticed there that there are all kinds of questions out there? Uh, some are really silly questions, and some are some really great questions. I heard about a comedian who was uh, riding a subway to work one day, and he had finished reading the morning newspaper, and but he was saving it for his friends at work. So, how do you save a newspaper on the subway? He asks. You sit on it. Well, a, a new commuter came on to the train and saw the newspaper that the comedian was sitting on, and he, and he asked, are you reading that paper? <laughs> and so the comedian stood up, turned the page, sat down again, and said, yes. <laughs> well, that was a silly question, of course, but there are other questions that are really great. Charles Chick Thompson, in his book titled, What a Great Idea, tells about a question that the uh, president of the Corning Glass Works once asked that turned out to be a very profitable question. The question was addressed to Corning's head of research, and the president matter-of-factly stated, glass breaks. And so then he asked the engineer, why don't you do something about that? Well, that simple question led the research division to devote itself to one singular task. We're going to prevent glass from breaking. And the end result was Corning's now famous Corel line of dinnerware. Thompson said that great leaders ask great questions. Well, Jesus and his disciples were up in the region of Caesarea Philippi. When Jesus turned to his disciples and he asked a great question. Who do people say the Son of Man is? And I say that that is a great question because this really is the defining question of life. What do you believe about Jesus? I mean, think about that for just a moment. To a certain extent, this question will determine your values, your attitudes, and pretty much your general orientation towards life. I mean, if you believe that Jesus is just a great teacher like Buddha or Confucius or even a fascinating historical figure like Mahatma Gandhi or, or Martin Luther, then that's one thing. But if you really believe that Jesus is the Son of God, 
then that's something altogether different. Because, folks, if he really is the Son of God, that means he has a claim on our lives, doesn't it? So who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, it's interesting to learn what people were were saying about Jesus in those days. Some said that he was John the Baptist, and others said Elijah. Still others said that he was Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. I think that's really interesting. Some people said, some people were saying that Jesus was John the Baptist. Now, John was dead by the time Jesus asked this question. And apparently some people were asserting that Jesus was John come back from the dead. So why in the world would people think that Jesus and John, or Jesus was John the Baptist? Well, it could have been because Jesus and John were cousins. If you'll remember, Jesus' mother and John's mother were related to one another, and some scholars suggest that they may have looked alike. I, I remember when I was a kid growing up, I looked a lot like my first cousin. And I, I think when Nathaniel takes his glasses off, he looks a lot like his first cousin. So maybe they had a, a family resemblance. And when people who knew John saw Jesus, they may have thought that he was John raised from the grave. But whatever the explanation was, apparently some people were saying that Jesus was John the Baptist. Others suggested that he was Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And, and for centuries, Jews believed that Elijah would return before the Messianic age. And so when Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God, it seemed quite logical to make this assumption that he must be Elijah. Jeremiah was also a figure in uh, pre-Messianic prophecies, and so that's why he was drawn into this conversation. And, of course, the people were wrong in what they were saying about Jesus, but it's evident that Jesus had captured their attention. John the Baptist, they said. Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. But then Jesus zeroed in on the heart of his question. He turned to his disciples and he asked, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And that's the question that really matters, isn't it? Who is Jesus to you? Some of you may remember uh, country singer, country music singer Waylon Jennings. He had a lot of hits back in the 1970s and 80s and But uh, Will Campbell, that great Baptist saint and activist, he used to travel around with Waylon Jennings uh, for a while at least, and he acted unofficially as uh, Waylon's pastor. Now, you need to know that, if you don't know already, that Waylon Jennings, he lived a pretty rough life. And so one day Campbell decided to talk to Waylon about his spiritual condition. Waylon, he asked, what do you believe about Jesus? And Wayland simply said, uh-huh. And that was the extent of his reply. So a few weeks later, Will asked again, Wayland, what do you believe about Jesus? And again, Wayland simply said, uh-huh. And so a few weeks later, Will tried a third time, Wayland, what do you believe about Jesus? And Wayland finally said, well, let me ask you something, Will. All those books that have been written about Jesus... Have they ever improved on him? And Will said, no. 
And so Jennings said, well, that's what I believe. I believe in Jesus. I guess you could say that Whalen was not very articulate about his faith, but he knew that Jesus was like no other man who ever lived. And I think that every person in this room would probably agree with that. But is he who he said he is? Is he the Messiah, the Son of the living God? Well, of course, Simon Peter, who answered uh, Jesus' question, it was, him, it was he who answered Jesus' question. And we all know that, we know what Simon's like. He was often putting his foot in his mouth. He often got a lot of things wrong when he blurted out answers to Jesus' question. But this time, he was right on target. When Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am? He stood up and said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And so Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot here. But I do want to ask you this question. How would you answer that question? Who do you say that Jesus is? And let me once again say that this is the most important question in life because how you answer this question will determine to a great extent how you live your life. And here's the thing, folks. There are a lot of people who say that they are Christians, but in essence they live as functional atheists. In other words, many of these people will state matter-of-factly that Jesus is the Son of God, but their lives will say something totally different. God plays no real part in how they live their lives, how they make their decisions, in the, and, and in the things that they do. And remarkably, many of these people are a part of the church. They'll recite the prayers, they sing the songs, they might even read Scripture from time to time, but the words of our Lord are no more to them than words of advice that they may accept or reject according to their own selfish desires. Their prayers are no more than solicitations for God to do their bidding. But they never really examine their own souls. Their prayer is not that, that they will be conformed to the will of God, but that God will conform God's will to us. They will never sweat great drops of blood as Jesus did in Gethsemane, praying, not my will, but your will be done. And they'll never pray that because it never occurred to them that there, that there could even be a difference between God's will and theirs. Now, am I being too harsh with those who live such lives? Or am I being honest about how many of us in actuality live our lives? I doubt that many of us would be surprised to learn what the Oxford English Dictionary named as the word of the year for 2013. The word of the year for 2013. Anybody know what it is? Any guesses? It's the selfie.
take that off. Good night. <laughs> That's the word of the year for 2013. And, and of course, they selected this word because of the word's tremendous increase in usage during that year. But what is a selfie? Well, for anyone who doesn't know, it's a picture that you take of yourself in order to upload it onto Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or some other social media website. But think about that, folks. We have become a society of people who stand around and take pictures of ourselves. And I really, I I can't think of a more appropriate metaphor for our narcissistic society than the selfie. Some of you are familiar with the 3D printers that are coming along these days. And this is one of the most miraculous devices of our modern society. The 3D printer works a lot like a normal computer printer, except instead of printing out a picture of an object, it prints out the object itself. It's really amazing there. This past year, there have been stories about these printers uh, printing out fully functional pistols and toys and even body parts. We've already had kidney and heart tissues printed out with these 3D printers. But one of the more intriguing uses of the 3D printer is a service offered by a company called Shapeify. It seems that Shapeify offers a service by which we can produce a life-sized, miniature, 3D statue of ourselves. The process works like this. You you take a series of eight 3D photographs of yourself, and and, and then you use some uh, special software to stitch these photographs together. And once you're happy with the model, you push a button to place an order. And within just a couple of weeks, you have a four-inch tall life-size or life like replica of yourself delivered to your home. And you can place it up on your dresser, and you can even bow to it three times a day if you want. It only costs $59, which is a real steal for those who are drawn towards self-worship. So, what does it mean to say that Jesus is the Messiah? What does it mean to say that Jesus is the Son of the living God? What does it mean to say that Jesus Christ is Lord? Well, here it is. It means that we bow down before Him and not ourselves. It means that our faith in Him is the most important determinant in how we live our lives. It means that it is Christ to whom we look for our daily guidance, not to our own desires and not to the desires of those around us. To say that Jesus Christ is Lord is to acknowledge that we have become a part of Christ's family. And that makes all the difference in the world in how we live our lives. Dr. Craig Barnes president of Princeton Theological Seminary, tells a wonderful story about when he was a boy. He said that one day his dad, who was a minister, brought home a 12-year-old boy named Roger. Roger's parents had died from a drug overdose. Roger had no family, no one to 
take care of him. And so Craig's parents decided to raise Roger as one of their own sons. Well, at first, it was difficult for Roger. It was hard for him to adjust to his new home. For the very first time in all of his life, he was a part of a family with no heroin-addicted adults. And so things were a lot different in the Craig house, in the uh, Barnes house, household. And so every day, several times a day, Barnes would hear his parents say to Roger things like, no, no, that's not how we behave in this family. Or, no, no, you don't have to scream or fight or hurt other people to get what you want. No, no, Roger, we expect you to show respect in this family. And in time, Roger began to change. Now, Craig asked, did Roger have to make all those changes in order to become a part of our family? No. He became a part of their family simply, simply by the grace of Craig's father. But did he have to do a lot of hard work because he was a part of the family? Yes, he did. And it was hard for Roger to change the ways that he did things. He had to work hard at it. But he was motivated by a sense of gratitude for the incredible love that he had received from the Barnes family. And then Dr. Barnes asked this question. He said, do you have a lot of hard work to do now that the Spirit of Christ has adopted you into God's family? Sure you do. But not in order to become a son or a daughter of God. No, you make those changes because you are a son or daughter of God. And every time you start to revert back to the old addictions to sin, the Holy Spirit will say to you, no, no, that's not how we act in this family. You hear what he's saying here? Ask yourself whether it's really making a difference in your life that you are a part of God's family. Does it make you more loving? Does it make you more tolerant, more disciplined, more moral, more purposeful in your life? If you can't answer yes to these questions, then the question has to be asked. Have you really made Christ the Lord of your life? It's not easy. It takes a conscious act of our will to say from this day forward, by the grace of God, I'm going to live as the person that Jesus wants me to be. It's not easy, but it is the surest way to find peace in your life. Jamie Buckingham tells about a pilot in Ecuador with the Wycliffe Bible translators who was in a plane crash. It was a crash that could have been avoided. You see, the pilot was flying a Cessna 206, and the wheels of his heavily loaded plane had barely left the wet jungle airstrip when a passenger that was sitting in the co-pilot seat panicked. You see, the pilot had the throttle pushed all the way to the firewall, and he had done this many times before, so he was confident that he would clear the trees at the end of the airstrip. But the passenger, who had never taken off from a jungle airstrip before, he was looking up, and all he could see were these trees rushing towards him. Why doesn't the pilot pull back on the, the controls, he thought. 
And so afraid that they were, they were about to crash, the passenger tried to help, and he grabbed the controls, and he pulled them back, trying to help the plane clear those trees at the end of the airstrip. But it doesn't work that way, says Buckingham. You see, you have to build up airspeed before you point the nose skyward. Otherwise, the plane will stall. And sure enough, when the passenger pulled back on those controls, the air, airplane pitched upward and, and it lost critical airspeed and it began to settle towards the jungle be- below. The pilot wrenched the controls back and, and desperately tried to, to, to turn the nose down, but it was too late. As the airplane stalled, that heavy engine pulled the nose over and the plane spun into the ground. By God's grace, no one was killed, but everyone on board were injured. Jamie says, it is hard for us to keep our hands off the the controls. And that is certainly true for the living of our lives. But my friends, it is when we give Christ control of our lives that we truly experience abundant life. So who do you say Christ is? Don't answer that question off the top of your head. I want you to look deep down into your heart. Is he your Messiah? Is he the son of the living God? Is he really and truly the Lord of your life? Search yourself to answer that question because the answer to that question can make all the difference in the world to how you live your life. Amen. Let us sing our closing hymn, which is number 287. And I hope that this is not just a closing hymn, but it is the prayer of your heart. It's what I've been talking about today, folks. It is a prayer to our Lord, take my life, lead me, Lord. I hope you can pray that honestly as we sing that honestly. Take my life and lead me, Lord, because that's truly what God wants of us. He doesn't need people who just spout the party line. He needs people who have truly given their lives to him. And who have truly committed themselves to follow in the way that Christ leads us. Take my life. Lead me, Lord. Let us sing that prayer together.
We have given you this hour, O God, to show our thanks and to sing your praises. And now we give you our work, knowing that you will fulfill your purposes through it. We give you our time, asking you to guide us in what is good and acceptable. We give you our friends and families, seeking to follow your example of how to love and to bless them. We give you our lives, trusting that you will not forsake the work of your hands. All that we are and all that we have is yours, O God. May we be your partner in the days ahead to bring peace and joy to others. Go in the grace and love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.